0: life that is best lived is the life that finds its strength and direction in a real and a personal and a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a life that's been founded upon what we called last week the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But if you have not yet heard, let me be the first one to tell you this morning. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ or a Christian does not mean that we are going to be let out of all of the problems and trials that life brings along. Now it does mean we'll go through these seasons with Jesus as our traveling companion, but all of us are going to have things through which to go in life. We'll have those moments. Sometimes those moments will string together and they'll create seasons where we'll encounter things that are somewhat mysterious to us in the sense that we just don't know how to handle them. We just don't know what to do. And sometimes in those moments and in those seasons, we're tempted just to think, you know, maybe hope is lost in this area of my life, and we put our lives in park, and the rest of the world moves on, and we never do live up to our potential in one area or another. I remember a time when I was a very uh, young pastor. and By the way, I'm still a pretty young pastor. Can I get an amen? Uh, you guys are just mean, honestly, you know. Uh, I think I'm pretty, pretty young, but at any rate, when I was younger than I am now, uh, I remember I, I led our church into a building program, and um, we worked, we prayed, we received offerings. I mean, we did all the things that churches need to do in times like that and and yet, as we came down to the wire, it was obvious to me we 're going to be short we're going to be short. Now I was not alone in the decision making pro- process I, I didn't make that decision in a vacuum. It was a team decision, but by the same token. Uh, as the pastor of our church, I felt very personally responsible. You see, I'm not a hireling. I don't do this because I needed a job and they put out a want, want uh, in, the, in the paper or something, a want ad. No, uh, th- this to me is a calling. I feel very responsible for things like that. And, and I did the best I knew, but it seemed apparent to me that uh, I didn't know enough. And I knew that something needed to be done. I just didn't know what needed to be done. The clock was ticking, decisions needed to be made, but I was just, I was just stuck. And that's my story, but I think you have a story too. Of Those occasions in a relationship, or maybe in your parenting, or in a professional setting where you knew something needed to be done, a move needed to be made, a decision needed to be made, but, but in your heart and mind, all you could think of is, I just don't know what to do. That's, that's the nature of life. We routinely get in those, those seasons. And sometimes, to make matters worse, we know that people are looking to us, and we're all leaders in one way or another. And so we have this weight of, I've got to do something because it impacts my life, but then we think of the lives of others and the ripple down effects and consequences, and that's a tough place to be. I certainly don't want to be negative in this introduction, but I am a little bit sober today because I know how these times feel, and I believe you do as well. And I believe we've got great news in the Bible today from God that can really help us when we come to these moments and seasons in life where we just don't know what to do. And if you're able today, I'd like to invite you, if you're willing, to join me in standing, please, as we read the word together. Second Chronicles chapter 20, as I said, we're going to begin reading in verse 12, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. 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 I'm glad you're here. Let's start reading in, in verse 20. And, and what I'm going to do today is jump mid-story in our passage. And during the teaching time, I'm going to go back about three chapters and we'll kind of walk ourselves up to where we're going to read. So in verse 12, the Bible says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon thee. And I want you to think of that expression here. Neither know we what to do. I'm going to read on. That someone has come to the place in life where they said, I know something needs to be done. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what to do. Verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, Hearken, ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. But gods, again, I'll read on, but I want you to see the Lord comes to these people, specifically this king, and he says, I know you're in a moment in time where you don't know what to do. He said, I I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be dismayed. I I, I want you to know that, that this is a battle I will fight on your behalf, verse 16. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And I want you to go back to verse 12 where we find that statement. Neither know we what to do. And I want us to let that serve as the center for our study today and to be helped by that. Our Father, I'm very grateful that you are a God of love, that you know the nature of life, that you allow these seasons to come where we would testify we don't know what to do. And God, we believe you can use those moments in time. And so I pray that you would help us today to learn what it is we are to do when we don't know what to do. And we'll need your help for that. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It's never an easy thing to enter into, those, enter into those times in life where you don't know what to do, but those times certainly come, and in fact, as I think of the Bible, I'm reminded that we find this occasion in the Old Testament, and yet I've reminded myself of the New Testament where the Bible shares with us over and over in these letters in the New Testament that we call the epistles that these seasons come, and what we're to do. If we we're to take the writings of Peter, we could think of First and Second Peter, and And Peter wrote those letters to people who were going through trials. In fact, Peter called them fiery trials. And they didn't know what to do in the midst of those trials. And so a part of of Peter's writings were to help people know what to do when they didn't know what to do. I think of the writings of James, one of the four younger brothers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In James chapter 1 and verse 1, he said that this was written to the tribes that were scattered abroad, and this was taking place in a time in world history we refer to as the dispersion or the diaspora, and, and these Jewish people were running for their lives, and so James wrote a letter to them to very compassionately say, hey, I know you've been sent into an occasion in your lives where you don't know what to do, so let me give you a word from the Lord that can encourage you and help you to know what to do. It's always great to have leaders in our lives that can counsel us and encourage us when we don't know what to do. But then there are those times when the leaders seem to have no answers. And that becomes tough. And it's even tougher when when we're the leader and we all are in various situations in life. That was the case in the passage we read together a moment ago. King Jehoshaphat, that the Bible speaks of, he was a good king. At the time of his reign, the nation of Israel, as we think of it in the Old Testament, had been divided into a northern portion and a southern portion. The, the northern portion retained the name Israel, and the southern portion was called Judah. And Jehoshaphat was the fourth king to rule in the southern part in, in Judah. And as I said, he was, he was a good king. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to go back a few chapters now, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, in verses 3 and 4, this, the Bible says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked, in the, uh, he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. The Bible says he walked like his father David. We know David wasn't his earthly father, but that word is used in a similar sense that we'd speak of our founding fathers. And David was the standard When God evaluated a king, he would say they did it like David did, which meant they did it right. Or he would say they didn't do it like David did, which meant they did it wrong. And when God looks here into the life of this king, he said he's a good king. He did it like David. David was a man of faith. David was a man of persistence. David was a man who had a heart for the things of God and he pursued the heart of God in the course of his life. And, and the Bible tells us of this king, Jehoshaphat, he was a good man. He was not just a believer in God. The Bible tells us he wanted other people to know about God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses eight and nine, we get some more insight into the character of this king. The Bible says this, and with him he sent Levites even Shemaiah and Nethaniah, and it goes, goes on and on with a bunch of very difficult names. I'll let you read on your own, okay? But if we were to go down a few verses after naming all of these various people, the Bible says, and they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Let me share with you what the King Jehoshaphat was doing here. He knew God. He loved God. He knew the Word of God. And he cared enough for those he led that he said, I want to invest the days of my tenure as king as a time where other people can know of God. And so he rose up this group of people that could be sent out through all the land and they could teach people the words of God, the law of God as the Bible says it here. He's a good king. He followed God. He encouraged others to follow God. And, and as a result, he experienced some good and prosperous times in his life. But, but once we get past the commendation that we find of this king in chapter 17, we move into chapter 18. And it's in chapter 18 we find him do something out of his character, a bit of an anomaly, at least insofar as we've come to know him. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, and verse 1, the Bible says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And join affinity with Ahab. Now I want you to get the picture before we start making an application. This was a man who knew the Lord. He was fulfilling God's purpose for his life. He was a good leader, a wise leader. But as God blessed his life, he got sloppy. Once upon a time, there was a heart uh, in this man that thought, God, I need you. Would you help me? Would you guide me? Would you direct me? Would you use me for your glory? And in response to that, God worked in his life. And as God blessed him in abundance, he got a little bit cavalier with the things of God. And and the Bible says that he, he joined affinity with Ahab. Now, I told you, Jehoshaphat was the ruler over the southern portion called Judah. But this other king was the ruler of the north of Israel. And if David was the standard of what a good king, was to be Ahab was the standard of what a bad king was to be and so here's Jehoshaphat a man who would love God and serve God and was blessed by God but he got puffed up the Bible says when he got rich he got puffed up when he got honor and now he's making an alliance with the evil king Ahab it was scandalous this was a tragic move for Jehoshaphat it took him from the path of God's will for his life to a place where where he endured incredible danger Danger even for those he led. It was in this time that God sent a prophet to the king, a man by the name of Jehu. And in 2 Chronicles 19, verse 2, he said this. He said, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. The prophet said, "Uh, Listen, I I can't believe you've done this, that you've made this decision. And and because of what you've done, wrath is going to come into your life. Because of your decision, his life was going well. He made a decision that led him into a season where he had to say, you know, I don't even know what to do. And we've all been there. I know that in my life, I've made some dumb decisions that put me in a position in my life where that wrath, if you would, came, the difficulty came, and I thought, I just don't know what to do. How many of you would say, Pastor, you're not the only one in this room who's made a dumb decision in the course of your life, okay? Good, and those of you that didn't vote, You're either perfect or lying. I don't know. I won't judge, but uh, just saying. I I think we all know what it is to just do something dumb, and we invite some difficulty in our lives. But listen, it's not always the result of a decision we've made. There are times where there are people in our lives and they make a decision and it's the ripple down effect from their decision that, that, that touches our lives. And yet when you're in that moment, when you know something needs to be done and you don't know what to do, I, I would suggest to you maybe the most important thing to do in that moment is not to find someone to blame. I, I've been told this is how you spell blame. Be lame. Be lame. And a lot of times, when we're in that crossroad moments of life, we know something needs to be done, but we don't know what to do. Rather than uh, try to be a fact finder, we become a fault finder. Rather than looking for the right way to go, we're looking for the person to blame. Rather than growing through a situation, we want to make of ourselves a victim so we can blame someone else for where we find ourselves. And we got a king here without an answer. The limit of not knowing what to do is one we're all going to face. Now, I want to be clear on the purpose of this message today. If you're still listening, say amen. Amen. I'm not going to give you a list of things to do when you don't know what to do. I'm suggesting to you there will always be moments and seasons when we don't know what to do. So what do we do with those times in our lives? How do we handle those times when that ultimate answer seems just out of our reach? I believe God can help all of us in those moments. If you have your notebooks nearby, let's look at the first thought together. I would suggest that we need to start by focusing on the facts rather than the situation. Focus on the facts rather than the situation. In verse 12 in our text, the Bible said, For we have no might against this company that cometh against us. Now, the king may sound as though he's being a bit defeatist. We could say, come on, man, quit being such a Debbie Downer. You know, his his assessment, he looks at everything. He says, we've got no way we're going to get through this. The fact of the matter is that statement was a true statement. He wasn't being negative. That was accurate. He surveyed the situation and he concluded there's no way we're going to get through this. Now the background in those verses I didn't read from chapter 17 all the way up to chapter 20 tell the story of the Moabites and the Amorites and the Edomites, three neighboring nations that got together and said, let's go get that king. And and, and he's looking at his enemies and he's beginning to define, what am I up against? Who am I up against? Who's coming my way? And it appeared there was no way out. And he was so wise to add these words. He said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Literally, he's saying there, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this season, but God, I'm looking to you. But what he did here was take the time to assess the situation in such a way that he knew he would not have all of the answers. I went through a season in in my life not too long ago where I just couldn't make a decision, not one. And I don't know that I'm the most decisive person in the world, but typically I can do a reasonable job making decisions, but uh, it just seemed like they were stacking up on me, stacking up on me. Of course, the pressure uh, of those times come. And I I remember I finally just had enough. I had a belly full of that, and I, I said, what is my problem? And I took some time to just think about it and, and to not just look at the situation as a whole, but to start looking for facts. And, and what I found in that moment in my life is there's really one big decision that I had not made. And as a result of that domino not follow, falling, none of the others could follow. So I, I had all these decisions that had yet to be made. But, it, but in my situation, I thought, you know, it's because of this one real big decision I didn't make. That's why they're all stacking up on me. And the reason I didn't make the one big decision in my life at that time is because I didn't have enough information to make a good decision. I can't tell you how helpful it was for me in that moment to look at a big situation, to break it down. I still didn't have the answer that I needed in that moment, but here's what I was doing. I'm now asking better questions. I'm tuning in, I'm fine tuning on what it is I need to learn. And and, uh, uh, that helped me in that moment. I didn't get all the answers I needed, but I started asking better questions. Friends, when we don't know what to do, one of the best things we can do is gather the information we can. We need to formulate good questions for what we can't, and we need to fully grasp what we are truly up against. A lot of you know I have two daughters, and uh, my youngest daughter, Julie, when she was uh, uh, in college, uh, of course, she's working now at, at uh, uh, the church we're starting up, up north in Fontana, but anyhow, when she was in college, she worked, and then I'd give her a little bit of money, and, and uh, she'd call with some frequency and say, hey, dad, I'm going to be short of money this month, you know, and, and uh, uh, I'd always say, well, uh, how much do you have coming in? How much is going out? And she'd say, well, and then she'd go into a big, long story. And uh, I would always stop her. I say, listen, I, I don't want to hear a story. I just want to know. Uh, uh, What do you need? What's coming in? What's going out? What will the shortfall be? Let's do some math Let's let's uh, get the income and subtract the outgo. Let me know. What are we dealing with? And she'd say well, yeah, and then she'd want to tell me a story and I'd say no No, 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 I, I don't want to learn a story I I want to know how much do you need and you know the fact is the more we talked I learned sometimes She wasn't exactly sure how much was coming in nor was she sure all the time how much is going out? And you can't help someone that doesn't have a good, firm grasp of the facts. I don't know a lot, but, but I know if, if my outgo exceeds my income, my upkeep will be my downfall. I know that, and for those, those principles to work in my life, I need to know general things like how much money do you make? You should be able to answer that. What are all my bills added together? And uh, and so as, as we talked, I realized I'd say, honey, we cannot solve a problem. You can't even identify. It, it's inadequate to say I've got a money problem. Yeah, you've got a math problem as well. You, you don't know what you need or why. And we've got to begin to build the information needed that will lead us to good decisions Friends, listen, we may not always know what to do, but it is always a great starting point to assess the situation. Think through it so that you can focus on the facts in the situation rather than the fear that the situation brings your way. That leads us to our second thought today. We need to appreciate the access that we have in God. Appreciate the access we have in God. Now, the king, along with the people, They honestly admitted to God that they said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And the response to their prayer was that God came to them. God heard their prayer and answered them. In verse 15, the Bible says, the Lord responds, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I pointed out that it's especially tough when we are the leader and we're not sure what to do. But isn't it great to know that all of us have an ultimate leader in the Lord, who's never at a loss, he always knows where we are, what we need. And and he grants us access into his throne room. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God says, one of the reasons I allow you to go through times of need, those times where you don't know what to do, is so that you will come boldly even into my presence and that you would ask me so that I can work in your life. Jeremiah said it this way, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Things you wouldn't have enough sense even to ask for because you don't even know what to do. But God says, call out to me in faith. Make me aware of the need you have. In honesty, come to me and in response, I can help you learn what to do when you don't know what to do. You know, I've long told our church, wisdom is not knowing everything nobody knows everything. Now it's true, some people know more than others, but nobody knows everything. Wisdom is knowing where to get what you don't know. Look, the greatest leaders I've I've ever met in my life are seldom the smartest person in the room. They're people who are able to build good teams and have people in their life that can speak truth into them. Solomon in Proverbs 1 said this, in verse 7, he said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we've got foolish people, they despise wisdom and instruction. You've got wise people, and they in holy respect come to God and say, God, I'm going to need some stuff in life that I just can't generate on my own. Would you help me? Would you work in in my life? Uh, I would imagine... If, if I were to say, hey, church, I've, I've got some connections, i pulled some strings, and this week I'm going to have a couple guests at our church. I'm going to ask Warren Buffett, and I'm going to ask uh, Bill Gates if they would come and share some investing tips and some hot stock tips, and they're going to tell us how to make money. Uh, I, I would hope many of you would be here with notebooks in hand, a pen ready to go. Now, this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to say this anyhow today, and I'm not, I don't want to sound unkind, but... Somebody needs to hear what I'm going to say right now. If I invited those two guys here, I would hope you would be here, right? Because we'd say, yeah, they know what they're talking about. They probably would have something to add to your life. Do you know some of you still wouldn't come? We can despise instruction. Listen, you can't help someone that won't be helped. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. What I'm trying to do today is salt your oats, get you thirsty. There's not enough preaching, and there certainly is not a a pastor that knows enough to say everything we need to know it's good to know that when we have needs in our life we can go to people that can help us but if i were to bring in back to my sermon now okay that ends that but back to what i was saying if i were to bring warren buffett and bill gates in, they would be guys that would have answers we wouldn't have i would hope we would be ready waiting to hear from them so that we could learn some stuff they know that we don't know we're humble enough to say i don't know it all and then we're willing to learn Well, friends, you need to understand that we have a great God who is more than willing to hear us in our times of need. He knows the answers when we don't even yet know the questions. King Jehoshaphat was so wise to say, God, I have no idea what to do. I want you to know that I know that. I don't know what to do. And God, I really need you. And that leads us to the final thought I'll share this morning. The final thought is this. We need to rest in the resource of God's promise. We need to rest in the resource of God's promise. I love the way this passage ends. The Bible says, and he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Friends, to this point I've shared with you, we need to think completely through the issue Uh, That is stumping us and and then we need to go to god in prayer, but but in between our thoughts and our prayers What we need to do is learn to rest in the reality that god has us And the situation It's under control You see when I come into those times in my life where I don't know what to do When I freak out and melt down what my life is testifying is that I really don't believe god's in control And I hate to say that about me because from time to time I do freak out and melt down And when I do that, what my life is saying is, right now, Steve Chappell is a practicing atheist. He doesn't believe God's in control. He doesn't believe God has him. God says, listen, uh, King, when you come into this time, you need to know something. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Let let me encourage you this morning. Let, Let me give you a word from the Lord. Rest. Rest in him. The times when you don't know what to do. they are great times of learning and resting in the Lord. they are times of building of our faith and times of developing our prayer life. And there are great times to learn what it really means to wait on God, knowing that He's never one time forgotten about one of His children and He will not start with you. As so I was thinking on this message, my personal daily Bible reading took me again through the Gospels. And I read a verse that I love but I hadn't thought of it in a while, and when I read it, I thought, man, that reminds me of what I'm studying over in the Old Testament. It was an occasion in the life of Jesus Christ when he's talking to his disciples. And as you know, the disciples, when they followed Jesus, it, it wasn't like this you know, modern-day television church in, in America where if you follow Jesus, he'll make you healthy, wealthy and wise at all times. No, they forsook everything. I mean, the, anything resembling a safety net, they, they left behind when they followed Jesus. And I was reading in Luke, and I came to Luke chapter 22, and this is near the end of the life of Jesus, and he's talking to these people who've left everything behind to follow him. And in Luke 22:35, 35, he says unto them, when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said, nope, not a thing, Lord, nothing. We didn't lack anything. Now, we know they went through storms, incredible storms. We know they had times when they were getting hungry, uh, times where they didn't have anywhere to sleep. But at the end of Jesus' time with them, he said, I want you to look back. Have I not cared for you and brought you to this point? Now, Jesus wasn't making that point to his followers so that they would give him a round of applause or hoist him on their shoulders and, you know, sing he's a jolly good fellow. He, he wasn't trying even to elicit praise in that moment. Jesus is near the end of his journey in life. He's preparing to be crucified. After that, he'll rise from the dead. In time, he'll send back to the right hand of God the Father and the Spirit will come. But what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's preparing them for the next leg of their journey. They're going to come into a time where they don't know what to do and Jesus said, I don't ever want you to forget. I've never one time let you down. I've taken care of you. I've met your every need. I I am your safety net. Jesus had met all their needs. And we need to know that he'll meet our needs as well. As we began our study, I shared there was a time where I'd taken point for our church family on a project to purchase and remodel a property and it was true what i said we reached a point where i had no idea what to do no idea what to do and i'd love to tell you i lived through those days with no stress whatsoever but i did not but i'm glad to tell you i reached a point where i just thought i'm not i'm not going to live this way right now (laughs) i thought god this is ridiculous this church isn't even mine I'm losing sleep, I'm losing weight, I'm stressed out. I had to come to terms with the fact that this church belongs to God. The Bible tells us that Jesus established a church by the shedding of his own blood. Jesus told Peter, I will build my church. He didn't say, Peter, I'll build your church. Nor did he say, Peter, you build my church. Jesus said, this is my church and I'll build it. If you want to participate with me, we we can be co-laborers together. And and here I was in this moment, stressed about something that Jesus said, I've got it. And I had to just back away. It's all right, here I am, Lord. Lord. What happened is our leadership team took time to focus on the facts. Because when fear kicks in, you never see anything clearly. Every problem looks big. When when you get to the facts, you begin to boil down to what are the real issues. We learn to appreciate the access we have in God, and we went to Him in prayer, and, and then we grew in this area of resting in the resource of God's promises. Now, I'd love to tell you this big story right now. I won't do that for sake of time. But let me just say this. We're sitting in the room that I was so stressed out we would never get into. And we're not in here because of my genius, the genius of our leadership team, or anybody else, any great benefactor that paved the way. No, we're here because we followed God's plan by faith. He led us into a moment of time where we knew something needed to be done, but we didn't even know what to do. And so we had to pause. We had to just trust God. God. We had to get all the information we could, knowing we're not going to get all the answers, but we had to figure out what are the questions. We had to spend time in prayer, and we had to trust that God would see us through. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, God saw us through. He saw us through. God did what only He can do. Uh, I want you to know today that God's word is true when it says in Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, that promise is not for everybody, but to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose, the Bible says all things work together for good. The Bible does not say everything's good. That's not what the Bible says there. You might say, oh, Pastor, I'm in the middle of something that's bad. You very well may be. <laughs> but the Bible says all things can work together for good. And in the mosaic of all the things through which we go, God is kind enough to allow us to go through seasons of time and life where we're going to have to say, I don't even know what to do here. As we head into the fall, the leaves fall off trees typically in most parts of the world. I guess palm trees keep their fronds or whatever, but The winter comes and you look at a tree and you think that tree's dead as a doornail. It's not doing one thing. But we know it's doing a lot. It's coalescing all those resources, all the sap is coming within so that when the spring rolls around, that tree can bloom for all it's worth and so that a harvest can come from the fruit that it can produce. God is so kind that he allows us to go through those times where we have to just pause enough to let God do that work that's often unseen, but no less important than that very obvious. Like a superstructure, we all wanna grow straight up, but from time to time, God brings us into a season of life where he wants us to go down and expand that foundation, learn to trust him a little bit more, learn to talk to him a little bit more, become a little more humble, saying, God, I really don't know it all. I, I, I need to have you work in my life in this way. And what God can do in our lives in times when we don't know what to do, to show us that we just have to trust Him for each step of the journey. It's not comfortable, but I'm learning in my Christian life not to be afraid of those things, those moments, those times when I don't know what to do. Because invariably, when I settle down, talk to God about those, trust Him, I find that God's helping me, building me, developing me. It may be, one could think, God, there's a problem in my marriage and I don't really know what to do. That's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. Get, get all the facts you can get. Let God begin to refine that process. Talk to the Lord about it, rest in His promises. It might be a parent that would say, I love my kids so much. And maybe you'd say, one is, is straying from the Lord or getting in a tough situation. And, and you, you would say, I don't know what to do. I, I would say to you, that's Okay. That's okay. Let God work in your life. Pastor, I got a financial dilemma. I have no idea how to handle this. Listen, I I, I may not know how to handle that dilemma in your life either. But I know it's in those moments where we'd say, I have no idea what to do. Those are prime moments for God to build us for his glory. Our Father, we're thankful today that you are a good God, a God of love. And Lord, I'm even thankful today that you let us go through times in our lives where we look at all the data and we conclude that we still have no idea what to do. God, we're thankful that in those times when we look to you, we see a God who's never at a loss, who knows what we need. Help us, we pray. Our heads are bowed in a spirit of prayer, and I wonder how many of you here today would say, you know, Pastor, when you talked on that this morning, you kind of touched a nerve on where I'm at in my life. Maybe you're here, you'd say, Pastor, really, you kind of, you got into some territory, you touched on a topic that was probably a good one for me to hear today, and uh, there was something in there that I think was was very